I'm going to talk about one particular section of the manuscript of the Book of Ballymote today um, for the most part, but in order to, to, to start us off, I'm going to start at the beginning, as it were, um, with the biblical preface to the version of, of a Govala Eirin that's preserved in this manuscript, um, this is the Recension C version. Um, and on this page here, uh, we find a list in prose and verse of the 72 languages collected at the Tower of Babel uh, by the Irish scholar Phineas Farsad, who is credited with the marvellous achievement of having formed the Irish vernacular from parts of all of those languages. Following this account is a short interpolation, again in prose and verse form, on the so-called four divisions of Irish scholarship. You can see the prose form at the bottom of the column A there and the verse at the top of column B. Um, and I've reproduced just the, the verse version of McAllister's edition um, in your number one in your handout um, with my adjustments, um, several adjustments to his translation. Um, but in any case, you can see that the first four of the first of the, these four divisions is referred to as the canon, um, which is illustrated by two fairly well-attested collections of legal material, the Shenachos Mor and the Breath of Nebid, as well as two other works of which only uh, scant evidence has survived. Um, the second division, though, is said to be a grammar, a grammadach, with, with which are associated 150 ogums and the ravena or declensions. Um, and then we have history, star, and which encompasses a, a variety of tales. And finally, uh, computus. Now, one might argue that the placement of this doctrine within the biblical preface to recentency of Lavagvala is hardly just uh, an addition of no importance by arbitrary philomath, as McAllister um, argued in the edition, the notes to his edition. Um, this is apparent from the biblical nature of what's probably its ultimate source, um, namely the widely known opening section of Augustine's commentary on the book of Genesis, where, he, where Augustine explains that four things ought to be considered in the study of sacred books. Um, this is 1D on page 2 of your handout. Sorry, I, I have the um, examples in slightly the wrong order, so you have to bear with me. Um, but Augustine explains that the eternal... Um, of the, the four things are the, the eternal truths that are taught, the facts that are narrated, the future events that are predicted, and the precepts or counsels that are given. And a very creative reworking of this doctrine, the author of the 7th century Irish computistical tract, uh, De Ratione Computandi, transformed each of Augustine's four types of biblical exegesis into topics or disciplines. This is 1E on your handout. Thus, the divine scriptures, the canon divinus, um, are, are the uh, texts that describe and foretell future life. Historia is the discipline in which one recounts deeds. Numerous is the area of study by which one learns to calculate future events and divine rituals. And grammatica, finally, um, according to the computist, is the discipline by which, with which the wisdom of words um, is understood. Um, what Augustine referred to as seeking the precepts or, or counsels that are given in the sacred books. Um, in this light, we might view the integration of what's clearly a vernacular reflex of this um, fourfold scheme as it appears in the computistical tract, its integration into the biblical preface of Levergovala Erdin as a, a confident expression of the principal focus of Christian education in the pre-Carolingian era, to use the words of John Contraney in his recent discussion of that passage um, in the article listed on your bibliography. Um, it's a reflection of the nature of textual learning that's been cleverly grafted onto the linguistic origin legend that forms part of Levergovala's um, synthetic account of Ireland's place in Christian history. 
that this commentary on a fourfold scheme of learning is not, as Van Hamel suggested, exclusive to Lovergovall. It is evident from the fact that the same formulation has been worked into a version of the law tract on status known as, to us as Ulrich Beg, with a small primer. This is 1b back on page 1 in your handout to make you jump around again. Um, where it purports to illustrate the four divisions of knowledge of the poetic profession, the Ceherrana Filiachta. And indeed, commentary in the version of Aragethag found in the Book of Ballymote, which is 1c, again on page 2 of your handout, etymologizes the word olive, the term for the highest ranking grade of filler, as one who is, as it were, unassailable like a great cave beneath a cliff because he possesses all four parts of the knowledge of poetry and has spent three continuous years studying each of them. Um, Levergovola and Aragetheg are, of course, hardly the only texts in the Book of Ballymote that offer us a glimpse of medieval Irish scholars' critical stance with regard to education and pursuit of knowledge. The legend of Phineas Farsad and the invention of Irish that was clearly the inspiration for our passage on the divisions of learning in Levergovola also forms an integral part of the prologue to another text in the manuscripts, namely the vernacular grammatical compilation Aragetheg, or the scholar's primer, as it's widely known from the edition produced by George Calder in 1917. The prologue to this text, which was clearly conceived as a very elementary introduction to the basic, to basic grammatical concepts in the vernacular, and indeed, but indeed owes much to the work of the Latin grammarians, uh, skillfully weaves the linguistic origin legend of Levergovola into its account of the fundamental building blocks of language. The extensive exegetical commentary to the Aragacht is, of course, famous for its distinctively defensive stance with regard to the status of the Irish vernacular vis-à-vis -vis that of Latin, a view which is encapsulated in the prologue of the text by way of a similarly kind of theoretical comment on the various disciplines that make up the scholar's curriculum. This is number two in your handout. Thus, when one commentator asks why Irish is said to be a worldly language and why he who reads Irish is said to be unruly in the sight of God, Another attempts to explain that such sentiments pertain not to the Irish language specifically, but rather to the whole of philosophy, including grammar, dialectic, and computus. A quatrain is then added to illustrate this point, which explains that learning and philosophy are vain, reading, grammar, and gloss, diligent literature, and computus, small their veil in heaven above. The examples to which I've just made reference, drawn from three texts in the Book of Ballymote that are in some ways quite different and in others quite closely interrelated, are in a sense merely fleeting glimpses of what might be seen as a broader preoccupation in many of the texts preserved in this manuscript with didactic matters, in particular those pertaining to the status, curriculum, training and career of the phila or professional poets. So what I'd like to do in the remainder of this paper today is to give something of an overview of the nature and variety of texts on this theme um, that are found in one particular section of the manuscript, and then to look in a little bit more detail at some aspects of the structure and contents of the grammatical compilation Aragech Nanegas, in particular as it appears in this witness, um, with a view to showing how a kind of closer analysis of the makeup of that text might inform our understanding of critical commentary on the various components of the medieval educational curriculum that's, that are found elsewhere in, in this manuscript. Um, Virtually all of the material in the Book of Ballymoth that's concerned with grammar and metrics specifically is, forms a, a single cluster of texts that are sandwiched between copies of uh, Ban Hanachus and Din Hanachus material, of which we've heard some already, um, or texts on the famous uh, lore of famous women and places, respectively. 
Um, the section in question encompasses about 24 folia of the second half of the manuscript and was written mostly in the hand of Solival Droma. Um, I think it's fair to say, however, that the Royal Irish Academy catalogue entry for this particular portion of the Book of Ballymote, published in 1934, gives a not altogether satisfactory account of the variety of texts it includes, many of which, certainly not all, have received a fair bit of scholarly attention. Um, the catalogue really lists only about eight separate texts in this part of the manuscript and makes no reference at all to, to published editions, um, some of which actually came out before the publication of the catalogue. So I thought it would be useful, before I turn my attention um, more specifically to the copy of the Aragach Nenegas that's part of this collection of texts, to outline some of the contents of this section as a whole, um, both for the sake of contextualization and also perhaps to shed a bit of light on the compilatory motivations of the scribe, scribes. So if you look at number three, on page three in your handout, um, and I'll be referring back to this quite frequently, um, this list is throughout my talk, uh, you'll find my breakdown of the contents uh, of folia 157 to 181 of the manuscript, so starting right after the Bon Hennechus uh, material and ending with a copy of Aragech Thig. Um, here I've divided the material into 26 separate texts instead of the eight given in the catalogue. Of course, um, as we were discussing earlier today, the, you know, the, the question of what constitutes a text is perhaps a debatable one, but in any case I found um, this particular breakdown to be helpful for, for demonstrating um, the relevant scholarship that's been uh, done on these texts and which ones have remained unedited. Um, and there are references to that relevant scholarship um, underneath each relevant, each respective text. Um, and the full references are given in the bibliography at the end of your handout. In many cases, uh, the references are to editions of the text in question. Um, as, I've said, or, as I've already said, much of the material in this section is didactic in nature, and a great deal focuses specifically on metrical matters. Um, it includes three of the four texts published by Rudolf Thorneisen in 1891 under the title of Mittelirische Verslehren, two of which have been added twice in slightly different forms. Um, the first of these is referred to as MV1 under numbers 4 and 15 in your catalogue, contains material, some of which may date to as early as the 9th century, uh, which lists and exemplifies the meters of the seven grades of uh, servards or noble bards. MV2 under number 7 in your list was originally compiled probably in the 10th century and sets forth the curriculum of the student phila. Um, it's, its contents were originally arranged to cover seven years of study, one for each grade of phila as specified in the status text of Regeg but survives here in a much expanded form um, that covers 12 years. And I'll come back to some of the contents of this tract in particular a little later on. Um, we also have a copy of MV3 dated by Tonaisen to circa uh, 1060, which exemplifies a further 209 types of meter classed into four separate groups according to how common or unusual they were considered to be. The significance of these tracks, of course, for preserving examples of meters that are unattested elsewhere um, can't be underestimated. As you can see from your catalogue outline, however, these texts do not appear in our manuscript in the order in which Torneisen prepared them in his edition, but are interspersed with a number of other items, uh, most of which similarly pertain to the status and function of the phila. Um, this, this doctrine pertaining to the grades of poets, which is a fundamental kind of structuring feature of the tracks on uh, metrics and the poetic curriculum, is reflected in a series of verses. This is item three in your catalogue, pertaining to the seven officers of the church, the seven grades of Latin scholars, uh, the colours of clothing appropriate to various individuals, and finally the seven grades of poets. 
We also have a couple of brief, um, hitherto unedited passages on the rewards for various meters of the fillet and the bards, as well as a tract on the type of uh, um, on the types of satire, which was recently edited by Rosie McLaughlin in her 2008 book on that theme, and a rather difficult and corrupt passage on the lawful procedure to be carried out uh, when a poet is on circuit. This series of texts on mainly metrical and poetic matters culminates with a passage under number 17 um, in your catalogue, written in two columns. It consists of a long list of ancient Irish authors who are said to be responsible for composing various kinds of texts, including shanachos, uh, primers, elegies, genealogies, and colloquies. And then after this, we have some of the most uh, impressive-looking pages. I think I've skipped a couple of slides. We are the most impressive-looking pages in this part of the manuscript, which is um, those containing the, the Book of Ogums, um, which illustrates over a hundred varieties of Ogham alphabets and includes a text on, um, for this on the kennings for Irish letter names. This is immediately followed in turn by our copy of the Aragach. You can see it there on uh, 170V, um, down at the middle of the page. And then after the Aragach, is our copy of the of Veg, to which I've already drawn your attention. Aragach um, Veg is the only strictly law tract in the manuscript, um, but it may well have been included here by virtue of its subject matter, some of which deals specifically with the status of poets and other learning classes, and it also seems to be similarly uh, propodeutic in nature to the copy of the Aragach Nanegas that precedes it. And indeed, the copy of the Aragach here um, it has a, a very small heading just over the, the top of the very elaborate initial there, um, referring to the beginning of the primers in the plural. So I'm not sure if that's a reference to the Aragach and um, the, the, two, the two different texts here or not, but um, as a possibility. Um, so with this wider context in mind, um, I might turn your attention now to the last eight items in your revised catalogue, that is um, numbers 19 to 26. Um, this portion of the manuscript contains the grammatical text known as Aragach Nanegas, or the Scholar's Primer, which I've already mentioned, and you can see it here. Um, and indeed, it's this particular version of the Aragach that's perhaps best known to modern scholarship, since the Book of Ballymot was the principal witness used by George Calder when he produced his edition of two different versions of the text in 1917. Um, he, he used mainly this manuscript alongside the witnesses in the Book of Lekin and the National Library of Scotland, Advocates uh, 7211, or John Beaton's Broad Book. And indeed, uh, this is the only version of the text for which he offered a translation. So consequently, modern analyses of the Aragath's contents have often understandably been somewhat biased towards this more accessible version, which is the shorter of the two recensions that Calder edited. However, in his 1983 edition of the Aragath's so-called canonical core, or reconstructed original text, without the extensive glossing and commentary that surrounds it, um, Anders Alkvist identified a number of additional manuscript witnesses, some of which deviate significantly from the form of the text as it's been preserved in the Book of Ballymote. Uh, for example, he identified um, two manuscript witnesses that fall somewhere between the recensions edited by Calder, um, one of which is found in the Book of Ivania, which may be of interest given that that manuscript also preserves several other texts found in our so-called grammatical cluster in the Book of Ballymote. Um, for example, items two to six in the catalog in your handout are found in that manuscript in precisely the same order as we have them here. Um, on the other hand, we have a copy of the Aragath in that manuscript that is in many ways more similar to the longer recension edited by Calder, um, including a lot of interesting Latin quotations that aren't found in the Book of Ballymote version of the text. 
Um, the presentation of the Book of Ballymote Witness in Calder's edition came under some criticism quite early on by Rudolf Tarnaisen, who in his 1923 review of the work grumbled that the editor might have made it a bit easier to compare the different versions of the text, which he argued ought to be um, read in parallel, as a shorter redaction doesn't always preserve the superior readings. Tarnaisen also sought to clarify, as it were, the macro-level composition of the text, specifying um, that in, it in fact consisted of 12 separate tracts, not all of which are as clearly distinguished in Calder's edition as they are in the manuscript context. And in a sense, this is one of the ways in which our view of what comprises the text Avagechnanegas has been somewhat conditioned by the form of Calder's edition and therefore the form of the, comp of, the, of the compilation as we have it in the Book of Ballymoat. For not all 12 tracts are transmitted in every manuscript witness that's known to us, at least in the same way. So an example of this again is the Book of Ivania version, which includes uh, most of the material under number 19 in your catalogue, but none of that found in items 20 to 26, the tracks on declension um, and um, stylistics. Um, the first four tracks in this series of 12 that Thorneisen identified um, constitute what is called the what, frequently the main body of the Arvagech that's actually identified by the scribes as the, the core corp of the, the text. Um, and each of these four sections are attributed to a different pseudo-historical author, and I've given you the incubates for those as they're found in the Book of Ballymote under number 19 in your catalogue. Um, the, the first book contains our pseudo-historical prologue on the invention of Irish, clearly derivative of Lovergoval Asian, as well as various notes on vowels, consonants, syllables, and grammatical gender. And incidentally, uh, the copy of the Book of Lekin version um, that is open to the, the page on grammatical gender at the moment, so you can have a look at it on your way out. Um, the second book deals principally with the off-cited uh, seven things according to which the Irish language is measured, said to be letter, verse, foot, declension, accent, syllable, gender, and distinction. The very short third book, which both Calder and Alkvist had suggested may be older than other parts of the compilation, reprises the theme of the invention of the Irish language as is presented in the prologue and offers a comparison of various words in Latin and Irish. And then the fourth and final book, um, of the so-called main text of the Adagex seems to be a miscellany of material from various grammatical and metrical sources, including notes on alphabets of Irish, Latin, Greek, and Hebrew, and several passages of commentary on stylistic devices. The rather compilatory na nature of this particular section in the text is illustrated by the odd reference to lost or unidentified sources, such as the Keen Olivan, um, which may be a reference to the Lever Olivan, um, the text listed under number six in your catalogue, which typically um, travels is in most manuscripts comes immediately before the Adagert and indeed the two are often conflated by cataloguers. Um, but Roshni McLaughlin has more recently um, done some studies of that particular text and suggested that it's a, it preserves some alternative traditions to those found in the Adagert and that it was the text meant to be read in conjunction with it. And we also have a reference um, in the fourth section of the book to something called a text called the Adagert of, of Munster. Um, one of the principal difficulties in analysing the contents of this text, of course, is the strikingly extensive nature of its commentary and glossing, which are clearly differentiated in the Book of Ballymote Witness, as you can see here. And I have another example from the, um, the next page, um, by a, a distinction in script size. Um, and this is certainly the case for many copies, in fact, most copies of the manuscript of the text. 
Um, and in this, we can again see a parallel to Araket Tveg. This, this is typically the format used in the layout of law texts as well. Um, when he produced his edition of what he argued to be the original canonical core of the Aragert in 1983, Anders Alqvist followed Thorneisen in arguing that the composition of the work may have begun as early as the 8th century, but that much of the glossing and commentary spanned the length of the Middle Irish period. He suggests that while the turn of the 12th century represents more or less the end of a common tradition for the Aragert commentaries, it did not by any means represent the end of material being added to the text. And this could place a lot of the glossatory activity, of course, in a similar period to that associated with the composition of the metrical tracts that are also uh, transmitted in this manuscript. There's un only scant internal evidence um, that provides us with any clues to the dating of the commentary. Um, only the longer recension of the text, for example, which that was edited by Calder from witnesses in the Yellow Book of Lekin and British Library manuscript edited in 88, two very similar witnesses. Um, only th that version contains references to specific Irish grammatical authorities who can be tentatively associated with analytic obits in the 10th and 11th centuries, um, suggesting that the form of the longer redaction may have taken its essential shape prior to that period. Um, Eric Popper has demonstrated in a series of articles, several of which are listed on your bibliography, the extent to which the Aragert can be viewed as a vernacular reflex of several Hiberno-Latin commentaries on the Ars Maior of Donatus that circulated on the continent in the 9th century, such as those by Muratoch and Sedulius Scotus. And more recently, Reichloff Hoffman has argued that the composition of the tract in the form of lemma followed by commentary may have been carried out in deliberate imitation of the form of these Latin commentaries. And this is certainly possible um, that this happened from the outset. But, and I think that we look, when we look um, specifically at the way that this material was arranged in the Book of Ballymote, we might push the idea a bit further to suggest that the macro-level composition of the text in this witness also echoes the arrangement of Donatus's text, a point to that which I'll, I'll return momentarily. Um, one useful way to approach a study of the compilatory practices relating to this text and to get a sense of its relationship to contents of the scholarly curriculum that are outlined in the metrical tract MV2, which I've mentioned a bit earlier, is to compare the material included after the four books that constitute the so-called main body of the Aragert, not all of which, as I've mentioned already in relation to the Book of Ivania Witness, are transmitted in other copies uh, of this material. Um, in the first instance, we have two separate tracks on the theme of nominal declension. These are numbers 20 and 21 in your catalogue, which, as you can see from this slide here, are um, clearly demarcated in the Book of Ballymote Witness, using large and, in some cases, quite elaborate initials. Um, and in other witnesses, the separation uh, is even more prominent this, than this, using spacing and clear incubates. Um, these sections outline the various case forms for exemplary nouns of each gender, so fair from, for man, for the masculine, ban, woman for feminine, and nave, heaven for um, neuter. And Andrews Alkvist has suggested that these paradigms did not in fact form part of the original Aragert, but probably existed um, as a separate text, a point which may be supported by the fact that the masculine paradigms are preserved on their own in one of the earliest surviving manuscripts that contains Aragert material, namely the National Library of Ireland manuscript G2, uh, written in the mid-14th century by Oliver O'Keonon, of which we uh, heard a little bit about that manuscript yesterday. And I think there are other aspects of that text which are, would be quite interesting um, in, in terms of a comparison with the, a witness like this. Um, the, 
The paradigms underwent various stages of accretion once they'd been added to the Adige compilation, um, one of which involved the use of paradigm words to illustrate various stylistic devices that could be employed in metrical composition. So, for example, the vowel in the word uh, fer under number four in your handout might be lengthened or its initial letter changed, presumably for uh, metrical or alliterative purposes in poetic composition. And so this, in turn, what must have been what prompted the original compiler of this version of the compilation to um, append to his copy of the Aragert a prose passage and a lengthy poem on um, metrical, the metrical faults and correctives for the composition of a Trauchel poem. And those are items 23 and 24 in your uh, catalogue under number three. I don't think it's entirely outside the realm of possibility that in appending this material to his copy of the Aragert, the compiler of this version, or rather its exemplar, um, mightn't have had the, the so-called third part of Donatus's Ars Maior in mind, which deals in particular with barbarism, solecisms, and other stylistic matters. And as I've already mentioned, um, the so-called main body of the Aragert is concerned chiefly with matters dealt with in the first book of the Ars Maior, such as sounds, syllables, letters, gender, and declension. So it's possible that our, our compiler was aware of structural parallels here in placing this stylistic material at the end of his portion of this compilation, although it should be noted that there's quite a lot of commentary on stylistic devices in the, com in the main text itself. Um, however, this compilatory method, uh, if this compilatory method reflected in the Book of Ballymote, Witness of the Aragets, was in fact a deliberate echo of the form of Donatus's Latin grammatical work in kind of macro-level terms, we might then wonder what happened to the second book of the Ars Maior, which is concerned with the eight parts of speech that make up an oratio, or a meaningful unit of utterance. Thus, a section in which Donatus treats the noun, pronoun, verb, adverb, etc. in turn. Um, and I would suggest, however, that we may have some trace of this structure in the ordering of texts associated with the Aragath in the Book of Ballymote, because um, in between the declensional material and the tracks on verse, faults, and correctives for the composition of the Treoko poem, we also find a short and seemingly rather corrupt tract that purports to be concerned with the types of improvark, questioning or interrogation. You can see at the beginning then on the side here with the little face in the, inside the A at the start of that section of the compilation. And it's listed on number 22 in your catalogue. Um, Turnizen um, was understandably a bit mystified by this section of the compilation and he referred to it as a, just a not very clear specification of everything that one asks about concerning uh, Latin linguistic learning. Um, and Calder just simply suggested it was a corrupt passage. And the fact that the tract has been omitted entirely from the Aragert compilation in the Book of Lekin, which otherwise bears a close textual relationship to the Book of Ballymote Witness, suggests that like the declensional material under items 20 and 21 in your handout, this portion of the compilation may have also circulated as a separate text. And we might therefore wonder what the motivation was for placing it in this particular sequence in our compilation of didactic material at whatever stage in the transmission of the text that might have occurred or indeed the reverse, having why it was removed from other versions. Um, as you can see from the passage under 5a in your handout, uh, the Book of Ballymote version of this text, which is, again, text number 22 from your catalogue, begins with a rather cryptic statement that there are two views to analysis, analysis being Calder's translation of Imchavark, analysis according to the meaning it denotes and analysis according to the method that it uses. What follows seems to be a not very clearly structured list of grammatical categories that one might employ in the analysis of a sentence, such as gender, accent, 
number and parts of speech, as well as more qualitative categories such as species or substance. In our manuscript, however, the tract seems to end in quite an abrupt manner, suggesting um, that it may have been abbreviated from a more extensive text. And indeed, we do have what appears to be a longer version of this text in a separate witness of the tract that's been preserved independently in TCD manuscript H318 and only partially in another manuscript that contains the longer recension of the Aragach, namely TCD manuscript H215b. And I argued in a paper that I gave uh, a few months ago at the Institute, at the Dublin Institute, um, in which I carried out a more detailed analysis of the H318 text, that a great deal of the additional material in that version seems to be concerned with the identification of rhetorical topics of invention, and specifically with their context, um, their use in the context of legal argumentation. In particular, the use of the term improvark seems to have some kind, some kind of rendering of classical rhetorical doctrine on finite and indefinite questions. However, the longer version of this text also draws a lot more explicitly on Latin grammatical doctrine relating to the function of the eight parts of speech in the construction of a meaningful sentence, an oratio. And indeed, the version of the text in the H318 manuscript, as you can see under 5b in your handout, explicitly equates the types of imhovark with the parts of speech, the othran and the hinschke. Um, in other words, the expanded H318 witness suggests that the tract on Imhovark might have its origins as some kind of commentary on how to analyse language in its, both its written and spoken forms. And the very grammatical um, kind of setting of the text is clear from the H318 version because some of the, the dialogue, some of the commentary is presented as a dialogue between the two Latin grammarians, um, Priscian and Donatus. Such a tract could reflect, I think, the definition of the Latin term oratio as both a specifically grammatical term referring to a complete meaningful sentence that one learns to construct using the eight parts of speech and also a more general reference to the use of language in its spoken form, some kind of rhetorical discourse. I therefore wonder whether the positioning of this tract within the Allegheth compilation, as we have it in the Book of Ballymote, namely between the nominal paradigms and the stylistic material relating to the Tretachl, could reflect some kind of association between the pedagogical doctrine conveyed in the Tracht on Imhovark and the section of the, on the Partes Orationis in the second book of Donatus's Ars Maior, which deals with the composition of an oratio. Um, perhaps a speculative assertion, but one that I think is worth considering um, as I carry out a more detailed analysis of that text. Um, in the meantime, though, I'd like to use the example of the Tracht on Imhovark to bring us back some way to the conception of the scholarly curriculum as it's articulated in other texts from the Book of Ballymote. It's often noted, for example, that the curriculum of the professional villa outlined in the second Middle Irish metrical tract edited by Turnizen, referred to again as MV2 and listed under number seven in your revised catalogue, includes elements, um, or perhaps I should say assignments, that can be identified more or less precisely with other texts preserved in the manuscripts. For example, um, under number six in your handout, section two, um, these section numbers refer to the section numbers in Turnizen's edition. Um, the first year of the Phyllis training is said to include 50 ovums and Aragath Nanegas with its prologue and its declensions. And so here again we have an echo of the definition of Gramadach in our um, four uh, branches of scholarship that I mentioned at the very beginning. This is surely evidence of a recognition that there was such a thing as a body of the Aragath text, part of which was considered to be prefatory to the study of elementary grammatical structures, as well as appended tracts on declensional forms. 
Um, in MV2, subsequent years of training encompass texts that fall under the other three categories of learning outlined in Lever Govala Erden, such as the legal tract Breath and Nevid in the fourth year at section 18 under number six in your handout. Um, in light of my discussion of this tract on the Imkhovark above, this correct, slightly corrupt tract as we have it in the Book of Balimot, um, it may be thus interesting to compare one other aspect of the Phila's curriculum as it's outlined in MV2. Uh, the first curricular component given for the eighth year of training, that's section 91 under number six in your handout, is referred to as Fischhovarka Philip, which is gloss as Ebon Dula Berla, to the elements of speech. Um, now, the DIL defines the word Fischhovarka as a general term for the studies of the Philip in the eighth year, um, seemingly because it's the first term in a list of several curricular components and is followed by the gloss Ebon Dula Berla and then a series of other things that the student is expected to learn. Um, I would suggest, however, that this gloss should instead be read as a qualification of the phrase Fischhovarka Philip itself. In other words, the Fischhovarka of poets, i.e. the elements of speech, is the first assignment in the list. And that perhaps some aspect of our tracts are texts on Imchovark or doctrine associated with it, um, uh, which is concerned with analysis of the parts of speech or topics of invention is what's intended here. And indeed, the copy of, of MV2 in Laud 610 reads Fis Imchovark, which we might render as a, a kind of knowledge of Imchovark, knowledge of whatever the technical meaning of Imchovark was here, analysis. Now, given that so many other aspects of the learned curriculum outlined in MV2 invoke specific pedagogical texts, many of which indeed are included in the same manuscript, I think it's possible that reference is being made here to what seems to be the principal concern of our somewhat mysterious and corrupt version of the tracts on Imchovak as we have it in this compilation, namely doctrine on the analysis of the elements of speech, the dula berla, um, <coughs> um, that make up an oratio. As Tornheiser noted, the phrase du liberle itself is glossed in this section of MV2 with the title of an extant glossary, du Romaketa, and therefore the reference in question here, um, he suggested, must be to glossary texts. I still think that's, um, I think that's possible, um, but given that the purpose of glossary texts was to carry out etymological analysis of words by breaking them apart into various components, um, it may also be possible that Feskelwerk here could mean a kind of knowledge of linguistic analysis in the broader sense, which it seems to be conveyed in our tract, rather than a knowledge of uh, glossary text per se. Um, just as a, a kind of uh, concluding note, the, the, the word Feskelwerk does actually occur elsewhere in a, a didactic context, where some rather more specific aspect of the pedagogical curriculum seems to be implied than simply the eighth year of a poet's studies. For example, a 14th century poem of advice to a student of law, this is number eight in your handout, apologies for making you jump around again, um, but this is attributed to the famous jurist, jurist Gilanoneev Macdoom Steva Mik Ederon, um, advises the student to examine every procedure firstly and make every fuschovark knowledge questioning or knowledge invocation as, as it was translated by the editor in addition. Moreover, allusion to a specific text on this topic um, may be what is made in a reference to the so-called Feskhovar Kathar or knowledge questions of Kathar that's found in the commentary to the law tract on procedure Koi Konara Fugel, that's number seven on your handout. Um, this appears to be the only reference to a text of this name, and here it's related to the tract's discussion of Kor Nath the name for a type of procedure employed in deciding a particularly difficult law case. 
Um, in this instance, the element of curriculum in question may indeed have something to do with learning the topics of invention that are necessary for effective argumentation. Um, the inclusion of an abbreviated version of the tract on the two types of imkhavak in the Book of Ballymote version of the Aragat compilation, on the other hand, um, which omits all these specific references to um, a legal uh, context, may simply reflect a consciousness on the part of a compiler that the text was concerned with linguistic analysis as it pertains to individual parts of speech and their use in a kind of oral context. Um, hence, it would have been seen still as, as relevant to the grammatical and stylistic focus of the text that surrounds it, the text that surround it. Um, so just to, to kind of draw this to a conclusion, I've, I've drawn on this particular example, a very specific example of one small slice of um, the grammatical material uh, contained in the Book of Ballymote in an attempt to illustrate how a kind of closer analysis of the compilatory structure of that material might shed light on the contents of other pedagogically oriented texts in the manuscripts. Um, I think that doing this provides us with some clues regarding medieval scholars' approaches to organizing pedagogical material of various kinds and of expressing the importance of various branches of study in the wider scheme of educational endeavor. Um, in so doing, I've, I've concentrated for the most part on just one of the four divisions of Irish scholarship that are so elegantly articulated by the medieval commentators of works such as uh, Levagovole Erdin and Aragetsveg, who nevertheless clearly saw a text like Aragetsnenegas to form a fundamental part of the great variety of lore relating to the training status and career of the professional poet, um, a rich corpus of material to which the Book of Ballymote provides invaluable testimony. Thank you.